In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. Good morning. It's nice to be with you all again. Uh, in case uh, we've never seen each other before, my name is uh, Caleb Tabor. I am the college chaplain, campus minister, young adult minister in Raleigh. So it's a pleasure to be with you all again today. So we've officially made it to Advent. That's exciting. There are a lot of things that happen in Advent. It's a season for preparation for a holiday that's coming up. And as we do that, as we prepare for Christ's birth at Christmas, we're going to come across a lot of very familiar stories. We'll see them in the stories during Advent. We'll see them in the Christmas season. And we'll also see them around Epiphany. And one look that these Christmas stories will tell you that people are often not ready to meet God. God's messages are given in dreams and in the words of angels, in a voice resounding in the holy temple, and written in the stars for the astrologer magicians to discern and follow. God's messages are written in the scriptures that people know and hold dearly, and we find that many of them maybe know them, but some still struggle to see God clearly in their very midst. Pay attention as we see these stories. Pay attention at how people such as Zechariah and Elizabeth, Joseph and Mary, Herod and the Magi all react to the presence of God in their midst. Notice who is prepared and who is not. Jesus today mentions when the word of God came to Noah in a kind of time before time. Jesus says that during that period, folks were having a good time, living life as if nothing was wrong. They were eating, they were drinking, they were being married, they were giving in marriage and being married to one another. They were not ready to meet God. Go back and read the Noah story and see what it meant at the time for them to be enjoying themselves, what it meant for them to be living it up. Because it's not just sin in general that, as the reason why God floods the earth. In Genesis 6, 13, it says, And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end to all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. And now I am going to destroy them along with the earth. The story tells us that in those days, the world was ruled by these sort of quasi-human offspring of the sons of God, or angels, and humans. That's who was marrying and giving in marriage. It was a time, it said, of warriors of great renown who led campaigns of violence across the earth. And their violence was so detestable to God that there was no other option but to wash the world clean of their horror. Now compare that, compare that with me, compare that to the kind of world that Isaiah tells us God dreams of this morning. A world where all peoples belong, where nations do not antagonize one another any longer, 
where there is no fighting and there is no war, where swords and weapons of war are turned into plowshares, into tools of prosperity, where the whole earth is a sanctuary. That is the vision that God has given to us. But let me ask you a really honest question. What does our world look more like today? The violent society run by the warriors of great renown before the great flood? Or the divine vision given to Isaiah of peace and prosperity? The readings today tell us of a time when we will come to know God more fully and more deeply than we have ever done before. We will come to meet the Lord in a way that we have never expected to meet the Lord before. It is the kingdom come that we pray for every Sunday. It is the goodness of God in the face of all the wickedness that we have been calling life. It is the justice of God in a world that is infected to the core with unfairness. It is the mercy of God in a world that is callous and uncaring. It is the love of God in a world that is violent and cruel. And we all like to think that we'll be like Noah. Or if we're lucky, maybe one of Noah's extended family. But history has shown us that we are more like the warlords that poured violence over the face of this earth in those primordial days. And we are like this. We abuse one another in the ways that we do because we miss God in our very midst. Too often we miss seeing God in the faces of friends and family, much less in the faces of enemies and villains, in the faces of the lonely that we pass by without giving a second thought to them, in the faces of outsiders and the, the misunderstood, in the faces of folks who were just murdered at Club Q in Colorado, in the faces of their families who heart, whose hearts break over the loss in the faces of LGBTQ people all over this country, indeed all over this world, who feel a deep tremor of fear pull in the cords of their hearts when it feels like there are fewer and fewer sanctuaries in this world that should itself, if we believe Isaiah is a prophet, be a sanctuary from one corner to the other. And it's all done. They are increasingly slandered as groomers and pedophiles by politicians, our own warriors seeking great renown in their own campaigns of violence as a way to scare up some cheap election points, playing off of people's prejudices and misunderstandings. And we, angry or frightened as we may be, will miss the face of God in the souls of those who are so poor in spirit, so hard of heart, that they would take up arms and harm perfect strangers. 
You know, sometimes God is hard to see because we are so distracted and lost in the smoke and blood and thunder and confusion of this broken world. And that lack of insight is what feeds into that corrosive and ignorant and hellish cycle that every single one of us, if we are completely honest with ourselves, want to escape. Not only that, but we miss the presence of God in ourselves. When we look into the mirror and see someone who isn't as strong or as thin or as young as they used to be and the world says you should be if you want to be of maximum value. We miss the presence of God when we believe the lies that we are worthless and no good and inferior. We miss the presence of God in ourselves when we can no longer look upon our own reflection and see a person worth loving. And all too often, we turn that pain, that brokenness, onto others. We mock them, we gossip about them, we hurt them, and we abuse them. But Jesus says life is just too short for that. It is just too short for that because one day we will take our final breath and our bodies will go back down into the earth from whence we came, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, the mourners will say over our corpses. And at the end of days, when there are no more battles left to win or lose, at the culmination of history, either the history of all creation or just our own personal histories, we will encounter an infinite love and goodness that will shine upon us, ready to heal our souls and put away our sins forever. We will give our lives back to the God who entrusted them to us to begin with, and we have to ask ourselves, what will we return back when we are called? Advent is about preparing to meet God in every sense imaginable. And the central question we must ask ourselves every day of Advent, indeed every day of this earthly pilgrimage, is a short and a simple one. Am I actually ready to meet God? And this leads us into the question that we will ask ourselves at Christmas. Would I even recognize God if we did meet. We live our lives as people profoundly lacking in these deep insights, and especially in this one, that we must prepare to meet God in Advent, but in that preparation we realize we've been meeting God everywhere this whole time. We just don't recognize God when it happens. And a lot of times we think that we know God. We really think that we've got God cornered. But what we really know is just something someone told us or something we heard or something maybe we misheard. And Advent is the season when we start preparing ourselves, our souls, to break that cycle that keeps us bound in violence and destruction. Only this time around, water will not wash away the violence and the hate. It will be done by fire. 
Not by some earthly fire or the fires of hell that preachers like to scare us with, but with the divine fire that is the Holy Spirit, that is unconquerable, that is an unquenchable energy of love and healing that appears to us when we really start to look for it. That embraces us when we sincerely reach out for it. And that saves us when we surrender to it. So tell me, friends, are you ready to meet God? And if we ain't, we better get working on it. Because the thing is, we're already doing it. We've already done it countless times before, and we'll all do it again countless times more, all day, every day. We just don't understand what is really going on around us. Asking ourselves if we're ready to meet God is really asking ourselves if we're ready to understand the world around us for what it really is, underneath all the distractions and the sin and the brokenness and the pain. It is a question that will change your life. And it has an answer that could save your life. And it is an insight that can change this world. Are we ready for it? Amen.